Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire, who has once again been failed by technology, uh, is actually going to be joining us uh, via the telephone. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to have some good discussion here. It's going to be a little bit of an abbreviated show uh, due to the circumstances, so we're actually going to scrap the what-if segment that we had planned, but hopefully uh, we'll be able to get to some of those things in the weeks to come. And this is a strange, strange day for Packer fans, and the Packers did defeat the Cleveland Browns 31-13 to yesterday. They regained their position as uh, the first-place team in the NFC North, thanks to some losses by both the Bears and the Lions. But the big story, I think, for almost everybody in uh, uh, Packer Nation is the injury to Jermichael Finley, which was certainly very, very scary. Uh, it's one of those things that certainly uh, is a concern in every NFL game that's played. And uh, yesterday, uh, some of those worst fears became realized when uh, Jermichael Finley appeared uh, to, or did sustain what Mike McCarthy described earlier today as a very serious uh, neck, or a significant neck injury. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, and we'll also uh, get to the game a little bit too. But I think, Matt, we got to talk about this story first, and... I don't know about you, but I'm have I I can't remember the last time I was so bummed out uh, the day after a Packers 18 point victory. Yeah, for sure. I mean, last week was pretty depressing afterwards too, coming off all those injuries. But um, this one, you it feels a little bit more serious, and it might be something that alters his entire career. Whereas mm-hmm. the guys last week are going to come back even this year. Whereas you never know with things like this, you know, if Finley could ever come back again. Mm-hmm. Um, I did just hear on Sports Center a few minutes ago that he was at least up and walking around today, so that's mm-hmm. definitely good news. But I mean, this guy's taking some shots. So, I mean, even if he's physically able to come back, who knows if he's going to want to? I mean, he's taken a beating in his short NFL career, and this mm-hmm. might just be the end of the line for him potentially. I, I don't want to speak too far in advance before we know anything, but it's just this guy's just constantly taking big shots and is always getting banged up with things like this. Yeah, and he just had a big major concussion three weeks yeah. ago. Uh, you would think that regardless of what the neck does, he's probably going to be shut down for a couple of weeks just because of the new NFL concussion policy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this one kind of – it's hard to describe what it was like watching uh, that happen. And it happens to guys on other teams sometimes, but um, I don't know. It just really kind of hits home. And, and for me yesterday when they were strapping him to the board and I, – I don't know. it. I felt like as a fan, I almost had, like, not an epiphany or anything, but it really just kind of made you think again, like, what what is the point of all this? I mean, we're, we're just trying to take a leather ball and run it down the field, and guys are getting smashed and, you know, getting hurt, and it really kind of, I don't know if it hit you on that deep of a level, and it ne- doesn't necessarily have to, but it really made me start to think that, in 15 years and 20 years, my attitude could change enough uh, with something. The NFL football is one of my favorite things in life, and I look forward to it all year, and it defines this time of year for me and it, as it does for you. But just seeing that happen again and some of the other things that happened yesterday and two years after this happens to Nick Collins, it really honestly made me think of a time that there might be a time where I'm okay with not watching football, and I'm closer to that than I ever have been. Yeah, and I mean, we definitely kind of talked about that last week a little bit too, but I agree. I, it, it's hard to watch this week in and week out, and 
I don't know if we're noticing it more now, just you know, because we're older, or maybe just care more about these these mm-hmm. people. But it's definitely, you know, it's definitely changed the sport a little bit for me. And it's still, like you said, it's still one of my favorite things in the world, mm-hmm. uh, regardless. But it's, you know, I could definitely see things, you know, over the course of time, you know, the sport in general, and not only our perception of it, but mm-hmm. it's definitely changing a lot over the next couple of decades. Well, and the scary thing about it as well is that having mentioned Nick Collins. You still hear Packer fans talk about guys like Tim Lewis in 1986 breaking his neck on Monday Night Football. And, of course, Sterling Sharp is brought up all the time. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Murphy is still referenced because of what happened to him in, like, the fourth game of his career, having a serious neck injury. But the reason people remember them is because they were so far spread apart. It was about ten years between each of these. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to happen Twice in three years, and we're not. And I, I, I apologize. I shouldn't. You know, I'm not meaning to jump the gun on Jermichael Finley. We don't know what's going to happen, but I don't know. I've heard people say that maybe it's just perception. We're so much more aware of what's going on. But I probably watch more old football games than anybody I know, and this is not problem a problem in 1986 or in 1996 or in 2000. People aren't getting devastating injuries left and right every single week to the point where you're almost expecting to lose a major star to an injury every single week. Mm-hmm. And I, it's definitely worse than it is now. And I'm sure somebody could put a number on it, but just from the pure perception, it is worse now than it was even six, seven years ago. Yeah, and you kind of wonder if it has something to do with you know some of the smaller pads and stuff. You know, go back to the 80s game and these- <laughs> guys have giant shoulder pads and, and neck rolls and I mean that's going to be the majority of these major injuries is the neck and back injuries mm-hmm. whereas you know players want to move fast these days they don't even wear leg pads they've got tiny shoulder pads um, you know maybe that has something to do with it I, I don't have a good explanation but they players seem a lot bulkier with their pads in the <laughs> 80s and 90s than they do now so mm-hmm. um, maybe just uh, more concern about being fast and athletic maybe than just protecting the neck and, and back. Yeah, and that certainly could be a point. I mean, you think of, when I think of linebackers, I think of like Greg Lloyd with his face mask stretching out 10 yards and his shoulder pads mm-hmm. up over the top of his head practically. You know, or Chris Spielman. I mean, he he didn't even look like a human anymore once he was in all those pads. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, part, part of me thinks that, and I know it sounds ridiculous and it feels like somebody at the World's Fair in 1903 being like, this is as good as it gets, but... <laughs> I feel like our strength and conditioning as a society is so strong right now that it, it goes back to the, argue, or the discussion we had about Clay Matthews with his injury a couple of weeks ago, is that no matter how hard you work out and no matter how much conditioning you do and how much muscle you put on, your bones don't grow and your tendons don't get any tighter or get any more uh, adaptable to strenuous situations. And what we have are now huge guys that are running super fast, that are hitting each other super hard. And I feel like with less practice time, uh, with less hitting in practice, these guys' bodies are feeling better than ever. So they train and they train and they train. And they're so tightly wound, for lack of a better word, that there's not as much, I don't know. I mean, you got to think that Nate Newton could absorb more... Um, potentially bad injuries just in his interaction than a guy like Clay Matthews, who's just wound mm-hmm. to the gills. And 
I didn't want to get into it right away, but yesterday was a horrible day for injuries. We lost Sam Bradford, uh, Doug Martin, Brian Cushing, Reggie Wayne, all for the season. And then you had Jay Cutler, who's going to be out for a significant portion of it. And every single one of those injuries, Bradford's running out of bounds. Cushing's getting a block to the leg. That one was bad. But I didn't see the Doug Martin injury. Reggie Wayne is stopping to catch a pass. And that's when all these injuries are happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like this argument, you want to think these guys are bigger, stronger, faster, and they're colliding, and that's causing the inf- uh, the injuries. It's not. It's them just trying to stop after running really fast, or stop in their tracks, or extend too far on a play they wouldn't be able to make in an earlier generation. And I, I, I don't know what to explain it other than it feels like they're getting to the point where the human body can't really go to these levels they're trying to take it. Right. Yeah, and I can definitely see that. I mean, the players today are a hundred times more athletic than the ones in the sixties and seventies. Even, I mean, you put a, a put a team of practice squad guys from today up against any team, and you know, from decades ago, and they're just going to destroy them because these guys are just so athletic and so big and so fast. So, I mean, there's there's people who can explain this a lot better than we probably can. I mean, we're not doctors by any means, but yeah. I I can definitely see that as being a valid point. Is you know, these guys are. At the at the max of what a human body can be at, and mm-hmm. despite of how hard they work and and how good a shape they're in, I mean maybe some of these things just aren't meant to be done at the levels they're doing it right now. Yeah, and I, I don't even know how you begin to fix that uh, if if you even can. But it is scary to see the level of devastating season-ending injuries. I mean, you can add Brian Hoyer to that, you can add other guys to that, and it. Whenever they happen, they don't look like they should be season-ending injuries. They're just doing regular stuff that happens in a football game that you can't legislate out, like stopping to catch a pass or running out of bounds or trying to block someone. Um, I, I don't know. Do you, it, think that, yeah. do you think that maybe in five years, as these injuries keep happening, they'll eventually start changing how they... They draft and how they scout players because they'll be like drafting the most average-looking guys in, in the early <laughs> round just to try to avoid injury. And you know, at the combine, they'll be like, "Ooh, this guy's got you know 10% body fat. We're going for him at the first pick rather than you know somebody who's a freak like all these guys who are getting injured all the time." Man, that's gonna make guys like PJ Hill pretty pissed off that uh, exactly. he missed out yeah. on a, his chance <laughs> in the NFL. But I mean, it, it's possible. I, I don't ever see that happening. I still think. Clay Matthews for 10 games is going to be better than some lesser guy for 16. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I almost wonder if you have to change the way they coach. And that's a very weird thing to have to say, but it feels like a lot of these are just on guys trying to extend themselves. Sam Bradford trying to beat a guy to the edge who he can't beat to the edge. Or Clay Matthews trying to grab Stafford when he's too far away and breaking his thumb. Or Brian Hoyer sliding for a first down when he really doesn't need to. Um, I almost wonder if that's that's what's going to have to be. Jermichael Finley yesterday as well saying, listen guys, take what you can get and get down. Mm-hmm. Or, or, if, if, or if you're a defensive player, if it's not there, let it be. Trust your teammates. Right. And and honestly, I don't think that's ever going to get that way. I mean, it's the whole no. football player's mentality. If you go out there and you start falling down when you catch a pass, <laughs> I mean, your teammates aren't going to look at you the same. So, yeah. I uh, I mean, I would love that. I mean, even being a fan of a team, I would have no problem with Finley, you know, catching it and, and going down after he gets the first down. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just don't feel like that kind of a thing is ever going to fly in, in this kind of a sport or in this kind of environment. 
Well, especially when you hear stuff like Greg Williams' speech and everything. Like, as much as yeah. you like to think they're trying to make it safer, you still have those old football coaches that are, you know, live mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s mentality of just hit and smash and hurt people, or rattle mm-hmm. them, I guess is the word for it. Right. Um, I, I guess, and we don't want to harp on this too much, I guess, but one of the things when I was sitting there, I was kind of in a haze, and I, I watched the Broncos-Colts game because it was such a big game, and one for appreciating the history of the NFL, and when there's history right in front of your face, like Peyton going back to play the Colts, I, I had to, to watch that, but it was kind of in a very somber way. And I was just kind of searching through articles online while I was doing it, and I found a really interesting uh, thread on Reddit that was titled, What Will It Take, Honestly, to Make You Stop Watching Football? And it went on for tons of comments. I probably read through it for, honestly, about 45 minutes. It was very interesting, but I thought we could bring that up here. Some of them were kind of some joke answers, like if they have more ads. Uh, one guy had posted, like, this third and 11 is brought to you by Hardee's. Uh, you know, all, they, they stopped them on that uh, subway incompletion. Here comes the fourth down Pennzoil punt or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that would make me stop, but... I guess I'll just throw that out to you, Matt. What will it take? Let's assume Jermichael Finley, at least for his day-to-day life, is going to fully recover. Uh, just forget about his football career. What will it honestly take for you to not want to watch football anymore? That's tough. I mean, even if some of your favorite players are... I mean, say if Aaron Rodgers got knocked out tomorrow and never could play again, I mean, that takes a huge hit on you know, how I view the sport. But at, at the same time, I don't think I stop watching the Packers altogether. It's... Mm-hmm. I I mean, I'm sure there's things that it would take, but it's hard to, for me to imagine them. I I guess maybe if the sport changes so drastically and it's just not even close to what, you know, we grew up watching, it it would definitely lessen my, my fandom, but I, I can't really see myself ever completely, you know, not tuning in on Sundays to at least watch Green Bay. But, mm-hmm. um, again, I'm sure there's things that I can't think of that could do it, but I, I, I can't think of them offhand, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think, Probably there's a single event. I think I agree with you, at least to stop watching the Packers. Um, the slow erosion of my fandom probably will take place if the NFL continues on this trend and it becomes Big 12 football with mm-hmm. 63 to 56 every week. Um, those games are exciting if they happen once a year, but I like the college game, the Pac-10 games, or the Pac-12, I guess, and the Big 12 games... They don't interest me at all, watching those guys just score a, bu- a billion points. <laughs> um, so I guess that could happen, but somebody brought up the one, and ho- certainly hope it never happens, uh, but the one that was brought up most frequently on that thread was if an NFL player dies on the field, that I probably won't be watching the rest of that season, and I might find some other things to do. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully that never happens, but, you know... Uh, there's a risk of that, I guess, a little bit, and thank goodness that they have such good medical people and facilities to prevent that from happening on site. So you have to think that the odds of that happening are very rare. Um, but um, I don't know. It, you, I think after a day like this, you're just kind of scared of what could happen next a little bit. Right, and it's almost shocking that something like that hasn't happened You know, since we've been watching. I mean, it's such a violent sport, and there's such high-impact, heavy collisions that you would think at some point we would have seen something like that. It, it honestly wouldn't shock me too much. And mm-hmm. like you said, you hope that never happens. But quite honestly, I wouldn't be super shocked if it did. Yeah, and you got to think that a lot of that kind of stuff is on the players' minds. Like, we're saying, what would it take to stop watching? But, you know, they got to be thinking, what will it take for me to to walk away when I'm 
you know, it's not my time yet, for instance. And, mm-hmm. and kind of hearing Jordy Nelson and Andrew Corliss uh, were the big ones talking about how, you know, shaken up they were having seen what happened in Jermichael yesterday. And it just got me thinking a little bit, like, honestly, as a fan, the first thing when you read that stuff that pops into my head, you can't help it, even if you do care for the other human beings involved. The first thing I thought of, not going to lie, when I read about Jordy saying how scared he was and everything is like, wow, what a great thing that they could overcome in a Super Bowl season. You know, what adversity that they could get past. You know, that would be a great story, win for Jermichael or whatever. And then mm-hmm. instantly I thought, maybe they don't want to. Like, not that they don't want to win, but to win the Super Bowl, you have to make a ton of sacrifices. And you have to, you know, work really hard. And you have to put your body on the line. And you have to extend for plays you might not be able to make. And maybe they don't want to do that. And I guess as a fan... I'm okay with that now, as stupid as it sounds. Uh, I It's a little different, but I hearken back to a thing I heard Mark Chimura say, that after they lost the, the Catch-2 game in 1999, that fans were upset, there were certain players that were upset, but he said, we'd essentially played four seasons in three years with going to the NFC Championship game and Super Bowl every year, that when we lost, <laughs> a lot of guys were like, thank God, I can go home. And you almost wonder if with these injuries, guys are like, yes, I want to make money and I want to win, but if it doesn't happen, and if I have the chance to make the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl but get creamed by Troy Palomalu doing it, maybe it's not worth that much to me. And as a fan, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, that that makes sense. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when the players are on the field, it's kind of a different thing. They'll always have that same aggression and Sure. As much as Jordy talks about this today, I mean, he probably lays out next week if he has to. So, mm-hmm. I, uh, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I understand it. And who are we to say that a player <laughs> should put their body on the line when we're sitting watching at home? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can definitely see your point. Um, again, I don't know if too much is going to change from this, but but it's I more can, like if, what if what if Rogers says he wants to like in two years decides that's enough, or if Jordy in three years mm-hmm. says I'm I'm finished. Um, do you think that's going to start happening more? Oh, I think so. I, like I said, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if Finley walked away after this. And, and you can't blame these guys if they want to walk away early. And I mean, especially if they're concerned about their health. Rodgers has had a couple of concussions. I'm not going to hold it against them. Obviously, we'll be devastated as Packer fans. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, who are we to, to tell them they can't walk away? I mean, he's made his money. They're, they're, you know, they're putting their bodies on the line. If they want to walk away, they should definitely be able to. It's gonna, mm-hmm. there's gonna be a lot of scrutiny for the first two guys who do it, but I can definitely see it happening here. Yeah, and it's kind of been changed the last few years, but I don't I don't know about you, but it I remember when we started watching football in like the the 90s and the people we would watch it with like, you know, parents or uncles or other people, like we'd be trading cards and there'd be a guy who was 34 and you'd be like, "Wow, I wonder if he's going to retire this year. He's old." You know, or guys even 10 years ago retiring at 33, you know, 32, 33, usually not elite players, but still it seems like even lesser players now are playing until, like, 35 and 36, and I wonder if it's going to kind of go back to the mean a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, obviously there was a game yesterday. We don't mean to be such downers, but obviously, I mean, that was a big story. The Packers did uh, win yesterday, as we said. Um, kind of a sloppy performance, a lot of penalties, although I kind of blame that on Jeff Triplett, who seems to, I'm sure it's not true, but he seems to have a, in for the Packers, that every time he's officiating, he's on the screen more than Aaron Rodgers is, it feels like. Yeah, can't stand triplet. <laughs> yeah, holding is all I think of when he's there. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't understand there's an L in that word. Um, 
But I don't know, what were your general reactions to the actual game yesterday? It was kind of a strange one, but I guess sort of what we expected to happen, was it not? Yeah, I, I mean, we pretty much called it. I, I think we were both pretty darn close with our score predictions, and it had a lot of the same feels. That first half was so extremely frustrating mm-hmm. to watch, and it just seemed like the offense couldn't get it going. A little more understandable this week, I think, with some of the guys out. But, um, you know, eventually in the second half, again, they kind of turned it around, and I left with a little bit better taste, at least in terms of the, the performance. With I think Rodgers ended up throwing three touchdowns, despite mm-hmm. you know not being super sharp and having a lot of guys out. So... I, I think that Brown's defense is pretty good, and Brandon Whedon is obviously really, really not really bad. He might be the um, worst quarterback I've ever seen. Like yeah, he's got to he, be in that top ten of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play. It's something with Cleveland too, because I mean, when we saw Derek Anderson go in there that year after he was good, and he became all of a sudden just the worst quarterback ever. <laughs> and it seems like Brandon Whedon, Brandon Whedon's the reincarnate of that. He's yeah, he reminds me a lot of that. But he, yeah, just completely awful. And you'd imagine he's might not even be on a roster anymore next year. But yeah. um, but I guess I, I came away, despite the injury stuff, um, I came away with at least a little better feeling. I mean, they fought through it. They're missing a ton of guys. They fought through it and got another win against the team, which, you know, isn't the worst in the league, at least. It's a game you should win. <laughs> but but they won it, and it was at least pretty convincing. So I, I guess a, a little bit more positive for me than last week. Um, in terms of the offense performance and everything, but the defense was once again again great, so you take that away again from that game too. Yeah, and I think all your points are spot on. I, I agree with that. It, it was encouraging to see, and it's just weird how they, I mean, they obviously were slowed a little bit, but Jared Boykin had 100 yards receiving. Yep. And it's just very weird how they can keep doing that, and I think it's encouraging, and I don't always want to be the negative person, but I think looking at their schedule now, much, much easier than we feared in the off season. Mm-hmm. They, they really have no ex- – I mean, outside of more injuries, which I'm sure there will be some, but outside of an injury to the main guy, um, they really have no excuse for not going 10-6, and 11-5, and 12-4 at this point. And who knows what can happen, but obviously the Bears are, are going to be quite a bit handicapped for the next few weeks, and Minnesota's not very good. Detroit is kind of falling back to the pack a little bit in recent weeks. And so I think they're in position to kind of beat up on this little softer schedule now and make, you know, potentially get a two seed or, or you know, even maybe even better than that, potentially, depending on what happens with Seattle and San Francisco. But I just. One point I do kind of want to bring up, and it's me being a jerk again, but I a lot of the stuff I heard on the radio today was just, well, people who criticize Ted's uh, roster moves need to apologize. Like he, look at what he's done. He's gone and he he's replaced James Jones with Jared Boykin, and he's got guys I don't even know playing defense, and the defense is still great. Now we're gonna go, you know, the, one guy even said they're gonna make a Super Bowl run now because look at what they've done in the last three weeks or whatever, and. I think that he is great at filling these gaps, and they will. I have very high confidence that this team will will hardly ever um, not be in contention for a playoff spot. That despite any injuries to anyone not named Aaron Rodgers, that this team should still be expected to make the playoffs. But they beat Cleveland, they beat the Lions at home, and they've beaten a Baltimore team that it appears is not very good. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, they can they can get a really good two seed. Cleveland isn't coming to town in the divisional playoffs. Right. Uh, and so I, I guess 
I think Ted's strategy works great to fill the gaps. But it's a little bit different once you're going to have to have Lattimore cover Vernon Davis or have Devon House cover Anquan Bolden with Colin Kaepernick trying to throw the ball to him or have some of these guys run around in the backfield trying to tackle Russell Wilson. If they can do that, that maybe changes my opinion a little bit. But right now it's hard for me to say this team is – they still are there because they're so talented and they could do it and everybody has injuries. But – in this state, without some of those key guys, they ain't going to beat Seattle or the San Francisco 49ers. Unless Cleveland makes the playoffs and the Lions and the Giants and the Eagles make the playoffs, they're not winning. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I mean, as long as we have Aaron Rodgers in the lineup, they're good enough to beat the majority of the teams on their schedule, get into the playoffs. But if they don't get some of these guys back, I mean, they have no chance against San Francisco again or Seattle, like you said, mm-hmm. or New Orleans. Oh, or yeah, I forgot about probably that. any of the other teams who are in the playoffs, too. I mean, just one guy alone is enough to do it against other very good teams and teams that are probably better than you. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, I agree. We'll make the playoffs. We'll probably win the division. But uh, I, I need to see a little bit more, too, before I'm confident that this team's ready to make a run. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked, but at this point, I, I'm not quite there yet either. Yeah, and I guess the only thing that we have in our favor is that Sadly, everybody is decimated with injuries. Um, mm-hmm. I heard today on, I think, the Jim Rome show, somebody was talking about I, the Colts. You know, they had a, a strong win yesterday, obviously beating Denver. They've beaten San Francisco. They've beaten Seattle. This team is poised to make a run to the AFC Championship, but they have so many injuries. I'm like, that, they said, eventually the injuries are going to derail the Colts. I'm like, everybody's going to be derailed. It's It's kind of like your argument last year when I thought nobody was good. Well, everybody's injured. And it can't derail everybody. One of those derailed teams is going to somehow bounce to the destination and win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and along with the lines of the Colts thing, I mean, losing Reggie Wayne is huge for such a young team. I mean, they lose their veteran guy, they have a big win, and they're probably like us today. They're probably not feeling real good about and for them, which was a huge win. Mm-hmm. And and they lose a key guy, too. So everybody, it's happening to everybody. And you just kind of feel like whatever team is healthiest going into the playoffs that makes it is going to end up making a run. And maybe at that point it's the Packers if they, if they <laughs> do get everybody back. Like like we're looking like we might at the end of the season, they're going to not have played for eight weeks, come back and and maybe be the freshest team out there. So somebody's the one team who stays healthy. It seems like they're going to have a great <laughs> chance this year because nobody else is going to have any players left. Well, here comes the Kansas City Chiefs, I guess. They're coming anyways, Eric. Get ready for it. <laughs> oh, man. Sound the alarms. The Broncos, who are now trailing the Chiefs, um, I guess if we're going to go to the rest of the NFL a little bit here, the Broncos are a clone of the 2011 Packers right now. And mm-hmm. did you really even doubt that the Colts had a realistic chance to beat them yesterday? Because I was almost expecting it after the first couple of drives. I'm like, oh, here we go again. Denver cannot stop this team. They're on the road. And... I think the Col- they're going to be great. I think they're still going to be like 13-3 and three or something. But if you're looking at teams that really have a realistic shot to win the Super Bowl, it seems like the only thing, and I don't even know because the Packers weren't all that balanced, but once they had James Starks, they sort of were. It's guys that can do all the things at a consistent level. Some of them are not very good, but they can at least sort of do it. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but right now, the only teams that I can see with realistic Super Bowl chances are... The Packers, if they're healthy, the 49ers, the Colts, and Seattle. Because they all sort of stop the run, sort of run the football, sort of can throw, and sort of can stop the pass. 
Yeah, and I can see that. I I did expect Denver to win just because I I guess I haven't seen a whole lot of Colts this year. I didn't realize their defense was that good, or maybe they just had one good game here. But mm-hmm. and it was well, uh, they it was crushed San Francisco, so that's kind of why I thought they had a chance. Sure, um, but I mean it's Peyton Manning in a big game again, and that's what we were so concerned about with when we were making our playoff predictions too. Is mm-hmm. it just seems to happen? I don't know what it is. I heard a lot of talk this week about it and how he seems to maybe get out of his rhythm. He's such a routine guy that mm-hmm. when he's got the big games and more interviews and more hype and all this stuff, he just kind of gets out of his rhythm a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's um, I, I can agree with that. I, I think Denver's still got a pretty good shot, but I I don't think there's a whole lot of other teams in the AFC that I can see doing it. I mean, you could see maybe Baltimore turning it around again or something, but mm-hmm. I'm just not sold on really any of these AFC teams at all. So. Um, you know, but you're right. The balanced team has probably got the best chance here. So if Denver can get exposed by an Indianapolis offense, which is has got a good young quarterback, but it's not exactly a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. If they play a team like New Orleans or Green Bay or Seattle or San Francisco that can put a point and play defense, they might be in some trouble. Yeah, or even you know the fact that they can't stop if they have to go on the road to play. Uh, the Patriots, in, in the, in the mm-hmm. AFC Championship game, the Patriots don't seem to score anymore these days, but in the divisional round, they still score a lot. Yep. <laughs> so, I guess it, it seems, I don't know, and it seems kind of foolish to completely discount Denver, and, but it just seems like there's been a 2011, 2013, 2011 Packers or 2013 Broncos every year, and they seem to not last long in the playoffs. Right. And, and so I guess, uh, we'll see. Your Kansas City Chiefs are 7-0, and which they're the last unbeaten team. Um, I told you yesterday that I would bet on whoever their first opponent is in the playoffs to beat them, even if they went 16-0. and um, Certainly uh, a surprise team. You were definitely right on that. I was very wrong about the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I did see a stat on the NFL today that said Alex Smith going into yesterday's game had only attempted nine passes that traveled more than 20 yards in the air. Wow. Um, so, man. I... <laughs> That's incredible. I did not know that, but I guess it's not too big of a surprise. That's probably why Dwayne Bowen hasn't done anything this year. Yeah, I noticed. He's he's on my horrible fantasy team. Me and the Giants are there together with teams that had reasonable expectations <laughs> and have completely fallen apart. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you think uh, the Chiefs have a chance to run the table? Are the 72 Dolphins and Mercury Morris sweating a little bit at the at the Chiefs? <laughs> Well, there's no way they run the table. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be super shocked if they made a run in the playoffs, but, I mean, there's no way they're going 16 and all. They're not nearly good enough for that. Um, I mean, just by the basis of the AFC is so weak, and, I mean, they could end up winning 13 games, which would be insane. <laughs> and um, I, you thought I was nuts for picking them for the six seed, and little did I know that they might be going for the one or the two seed out there, so yeah. if they can hold on to that division somehow. But, yeah, I, I did not quite expect them to be this good, but, like, you kind of said yesterday, too, they haven't really played anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, the quarterbacks that they've ended up playing, whether because of injuries or just bad teams, but the quarterbacks that they've played haven't been very good. So mm-hmm. while their defense has been fantastic, it doesn't really seem to have been tested too much yet. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the best player they've played as far as a quarterback has been, what, Tony Romo? And, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of hit and miss. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, although, if they do go 13-3 and and get a first-round bye, I can't imagine a lot of people from Kansas City are going to be getting a lot of sleep, considering that equation has not added up well for the Kansas City Chiefs, a home playoff game with a 13-3 and record. Uh, that's what happened in 95, 97, and 2003, uh, all of which they lost in heartbreaking playoff games in their very first try. Mm-hmm. So... so 
We'll see Kansas City if they make the playoffs, which it looks like they certainly should. Um, Detroit has a chance too, but right now Detroit and Kansas City are tied neck and neck for the NFL record for consecutive playoff losses at seven. <laughs> so um, one of them might try to, to overstep it this year. Too bad they can't play each other in the first round. <laughs> that would be, uh, that would be, I don't know, it'd be something. Uh, Pathetic or scary or I don't think anybody really knows about that stat except me. I never really see it mentioned all that often. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can kind of wrap it up here since you are on your phone. But the Packers play the Minnesota Vikings, who play tonight. If there's ever been a better um, piece of evidence for the existence of the flex scheduling, it's tonight's Monday night game where the 1-4 Vikings are on the road as a favorite at the 0-6 New York Giants, um, which, which I'm kind of surprised by. I think the Giants will win. Yeah, I I, I think it might actually end up being a pretty decent game. And I th- Is Freeman starting tonight then? I think so. I guess I'm not quite sure, but that's what I thought I've been hearing. I mean, it could end up actually being kind of an exciting game. We'll probably see some turnovers and maybe kind of high scoring, but um, yeah, kind of a meaningless game overall. I can't imagine either of these teams make any kind of a playoff push unless Josh Freeman, you know, is somehow incredible back there. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it might be entertaining, but it would be nice to see a game that actually meant something on Monday night. I might not be watching the entire game. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm confident, honestly, right now, saying that the Giants are completely dead. With Dallas having their statement win being a horrible 17-3 win over the Eagles where Nick Foles leaves due to injury and Michael Vick doesn't even play. Um, mm-hmm. I know I don't think they had DeMarco Murray yesterday, but that division is horrible. And what are the Giants even now are only, what, three, four games out? They have almost all their division games uh, uh, left. So they have four division games left. So... <laughs> It's possible that they could win that division at 8-8, eight and eight, although it would take a pretty... They, they still got some tough games left. Yeah, I mean, they'd have to go, what, 8-2 and two probably the rest of the way. That just gets you to 8-8, eight and eight too. So I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be surprised if that division winner went 8-8. Eight and eight, But I, I can't imagine... You, you put yourself in such a big hole there. I, I can't imagine Dallas... Dallas isn't great, I don't think, but I don't think they're that bad if they collapse below that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Washington, I think, probably, and, and Philly even, too, they both kind of have better chances. I think they're all better than New York right now. This team's been so atrocious, I can't see them winning 8 out of 10, and even still, that probably doesn't even get you there. I have my answer to that Reddit question. What could possibly make me stop watching football is if the New York Giants go 8-2 and <laughs> and then win the Super Bowl as an 8-8 eight and eight team that started 0-6. That might yeah, be that enough. Yeah, that discredits the whole regular season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for like the third time in four years or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so the Packers will play the the Minnesota Vikings next week at the Metrodome. Uh, this game looking much less intimidating than it did earlier in the season or last year. And I certainly think, barring anything horrible happening, I think that the Green Bay Packers probably should win this game next week. Uh, is there a reason why I shouldn't think that, Matt? Well, I think we kind of got to watch tonight's game a little bit because I'm actually really intrigued to see how Freeman plays because I think they're a lot more dangerous actually now than they were with Ponder Castle back there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's one dimension that they just didn't have. They couldn't throw at all. So if you slow down Adrian Peterson, you're going to win. 
So, I mean, if they've got a guy who can test them deep, they've got some good receivers that haven't been able to be utilized yet because they can't throw. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he comes in here and, and can finally sling the rock a little bit, which we've seen him be able to do, I'm a little bit more afraid of this team, especially if, you know, they get a big win tonight or something and get some momentum. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Freeman definitely changes things a little bit, although I'm not all that convinced that he's significantly better than Matt Castle is. Um, and he's kind of struggled. I know Freeman had that one really good season in 2010, but him and Castle, too, they probably just sit in the, the locker room talking about 2010 and how it was just this great season. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, I've never been sold on him as a great starting quarterback, and I don't think he is a, a good long-term solution. I mean, he just doesn't seem like a good leader. But if you get him in with, you know, he's an influx of energy into the mm-hmm. team that all of a sudden thought they were dead in the water and now gets a brand-new quarterback mm-hmm. who's at least got the physical skill set to do it, Yeah. although I don't think he's a great quarterback. But, I mean, you would get this guy in, and it's kind of like a coaching change. You know, maybe he sparks something in this offense and they get rolling a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, he's an influx of some kind of energy, but by judging the reaction to him from his Tampa Bay Buck ex-teammates who wouldn't come to defend him when their coach released him, and then released private confidential information about the guy. It makes me think that maybe he brings a lot of negative energy to the team as well. Yeah, But yeah. he's and, better and than Brandon Whedon, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seemed like nobody in Tampa liked him, but maybe, you know, you never know, maybe he learned his lesson and he's going to clean up his act. Apparently he's been at the at the stadium for like two straight weeks now preparing for this. So Probably doesn't have a home he's... yet. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> well, I... We'll see. Hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a little bit more challenging than if Christian Ponder was playing or, you know, last time the Packers played the Vikings, Joe Webb started. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be a little bit more difficult than that, but we'll see. Um, and then after that, uh, the Packers will play what's left of the Chicago Bears. Um, just a couple of tidbits. We could talk about the Bears who have uh, injury to Jay Cutler. I don't know if they're going to continue to go with Josh McCown. But uh, they also lost Lance Briggs yesterday for six weeks. Um, any chance of the Bears salvaging this? And I, as much as they're the Bears and they're in our division, it feels like this is like the third time in three years that they seem to have a pretty good team that's been derailed by injuries. Yeah, it was last year too when Cutler got injured, wasn't it? Like halfway mm-hmm. into the season, or was that the year before that? In 2011, I think they started like eight and three or something like that, and then Cutler got hurt, and they had to play Caleb Haney, and they lost out the rest of the year. And then That's last right. year, Cutler got banged up, and they had Campbell start a game, and then he just wasn't quite right, and then that's kind of what started their seven and one slump to ten and six. Sure. Yeah, and they're a good team, but I mean, they like the Packers, except they get it to their most crucial position and mm-hmm. and just kind of fall apart and. I think with him being out, they luckily have a bye week this week, or at least luckily for them. Um, but, you know, even if they lose the next three after this, I think there's just going to be a mad dash for that last wild card spot. Oh, yeah. And I don't think, even if they do go 0-3, I don't think they're going to be completely out of it because we could be looking at like a 9-7 and team getting in there. There's a ton of teams that are going to be fighting for that. So mm-hmm. I think it might kind of take them out of this division race, especially if Detroit keeps winning as well. A little bit, but I mean, there's, I think they're still alive. If, if he can get back within a few weeks, they, I think they've still got a good chance to make it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'd be a little bit afraid to play this team in the playoffs. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, they, they have, they're a balanced team, which is always yeah. scary. You, you make a good point about the mad dash for the playoffs. I mean, that could potentially be very exciting because some of these lesser teams are getting some pretty good footing. But then if you look in the rearview mirror, the, there are the Giants and there are the Atlanta Falcons and mm-hmm. potentially the, the Bears. And those teams are going to be charging fast towards the end, you would have to think. 
Yeah, a lot of upstart teams. I mean, Carolina's looked pretty darn good this season so far. They're going to be there. I mean, you'll have Detroit and Chicago, maybe Green Bay. You'll have, you know, Dallas, Philly. You're going to have, um, you know, Seattle, San Francisco. One of those teams is going to be going to be going for a wild card. So mm-hmm. it should be a pretty good, interesting end of the season. I mean, a lot of these teams, I'm sure, will fall off kind of as we get closer. But it's it should be pretty exciting. Yeah, hopefully. Um... You know, there's nothing better than a good playoff race. I hate, like, last year in the AFC where all six playoff seeds were locked up with a week to go. Right. Uh, that's not very fun. We were going to do a crossfire, and I guess I have one written down here. We'll do a very mini one-question crossfire that kind of came okay. to mind yesterday. They showed uh, Devin Hester had 17 return touchdowns, uh, and then, of course, like clockwork, uh, I think the second return he had after they showed that graphic, he takes to the house and keeps the Bears in a, in a game they really had uh, a really rough time even staying close with how many injuries they had. But here's a really tough question, and I was thinking about watching that. Is Devin Hester a Hall of Famer? Man, that's tough. Um, I'm trying to think of comparable guys. I mean, you don't have – I don't have the touchdown stats in front of me, but um, – uh, who well, is that he's guy tied with, for the? Are you thinking of Brian Mitchell? Brian Mitchell, I was thinking of him. I mean, guys like I, I mean, there's been a ton of like Eric Metcalf, like all mm-hmm. these really good Mel Gray. Guys. None of the, Mel Gray. I mean, none of those guys are in. Um, but he's so much better like, than those guys. Yeah, and uh, man, that's a really tough one. I, you would think that the best player in NFL history, arguably at your specific mm-hmm. you know position, should be in the Hall of Fame, and I think he's been that. <laughs> Oh, I think yeah. he's probably the best return man in the history of the NFL. So I I would put him in, I think. I don't know if he's a first ballot guy, but I think based on that, I think you have to put him in. Yeah, and I I completely agree with you that I think he's hands down the best kick returner and punt returner in the history of the NFL. Um, he's such a weapon. He's very, I mean, unbelievable what he's been able to do from that position. But then at the same point, they showed he has 19 return touchdowns. It's tied with Dion for the most in NFL history. He's mm. far and away, and, and most of those are kick returns, and Dion had a bunch of fumbles and a bunch of uh, uh, interceptions, so that counts in that stat too. So he's like five or six more than the next closest guy, and five or six is like Mel Gray and some of those guys' career output uh, for return right. touchdowns. Desmond Howard, guys like that. But it's still 19 touchdowns in eight or nine years. I mean, LaDainian Tomlinson did that in half of the 2006 season. And so, I don't know. It feels like he's going to be in one of those gaps, like maybe that I I don't know enough about him, but that I presume guys like Ray Guy are at, where he's far and away the best punter of all time, but he doesn't bring enough value to an individual game in terms of wins and losses where you can ever justify him um, being in the Hall of Fame. And I think... Hester's been more than that, but if he was maybe a little bit better of a receiver or a little bit better of a defensive back, I think it's a slam dunk, but he's not very good at either of those. Right. I don't know. I might disagree with you there because I think back in 03, um, that was the year they went to the Super Bowl, right? I, oh, six? He was as big of a game changer. Yeah, I'm, I'm going a little far back there. <laughs> oh, six. Um, I mean, he was as big of a game changer as anybody on that team, and he only played, you know, the return snaps. and. And he was, you know, the best player on the team, I would argue. <laughs> so oh. I, uh, I don't know. He's he's been enough of a game changer. I know the statistics don't sound great, you know, ninety touchdown over over all those years. But I mean, obviously comparable to, you know, his people doing the same thing as he's doing. It's it's a lot more impressive than anybody else. So sure. I I think I think that that he brings enough value. I mean, especially when he was at his best, I think he was pretty much unstoppable. Sure. Well. I- 
Maybe you have uh, convinced me. I think I wouldn't vote for him on the first ballot, but I think maybe after he's been on it four or five times, maybe it'll kind of... Mm-hmm. And I think... And that's kind of stupid. I hate when the baseball writers do that. He's like, oh, Craig Biggio's a Hall of Famer, but I ain't voting for him this year. It's like, if, he, right. if he's good, he's good. He's not going to change his career any at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I still don't know if I'm 100% convinced, but I guess I'm kind of leaning towards Hall of Fame now. Sure. Um, but anyways, so now we're going to uh, move on. Uh, Green and Gold Forever, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. It's been a little bit different considering, considering the circumstances of not only our technology, but also of uh, the game yesterday. So hopefully we get good news from Jermichael Finley, and uh, hopefully he's able to recover uh, football or not and continue on uh, living the life the way he wants to live it, and hopefully the Green Bay Packers can continue to uh, be resilient and pick up another victory in the division against the Minnesota Vikings. So for Matt... And hopefully we don't, and hopefully we don't have to talk any injuries next week either. Yeah, it'll be the first time in the history of Green and Gold forever, I think. <laughs> um, do you have a score real quick for the Vikings? Sure. Let's say here... I don't think Minnesota's... Oh, man. I, I'm going to say 32-17. Okay. Packers. That's a pretty good pick. Um, I'm thinking this is going to be like a 34-24 kind of game. Uh, the, the Vikings usually get out in front, and then the Packers kind of overtake them in in their wins with Rodgers, it seems like. And uh, I think Jared Allen has always been such a problem for Aaron Rodgers to avoid. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think it'll be kind of a streaky game, but I think the Packers just have too much talent. And so I think they'll win 34-24. All right. All right, so uh, I guess that's all I got. You got anything else, Matt? No, I got nothing. Okay, so for Matt in Eau Claire, I'm Eric in Oshkosh. Enjoy the week, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone.